Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Grace and Good evening. That was, that was pretty solid. Uh, welcome to Grace Church this evening. Those of you here with us on campus, great to see you again for Wednesday night Bible study. And those of you that are joining us online through the wonders of the Internet, you are welcome as well. And we appreciate you tuning in. I want to give you just a few announcements this evening before Brother Dave comes. First of all, men, if you're able, uh, men's conference is... Uh, this coming week, the 27th through the 29th uh, in Tioga. So if you're able to make that, I know that it will be a blessing to you. Sunday, May 7th, Brother Greg Albritton will be back with us and speaking in that service. Definitely looking forward to that. We love Brother Greg, and uh, great things always happen whenever he's here. So we're definitely looking forward to him being with us on the 7th. And also on Sunday, May 7th, our graduates will be honored in that service. So if you have... A graduate, and I might know at least one that's going to be graduating in May. Uh, if you have a graduate, please let the church office know so that we can uh, we can recognize them and honor them as appropriate. I don't have uh, anything uh, super spiritual to share with you this evening, but I do want to give uh, major props to my man, Big Dave. Uh, does anybody else call you Big Dave? You know you did that to yourself. You called yourself Big Dave in this pulpit one night, and it just stuck with me. So he, that Dave Bunch, our assistant pastor, did an incredible job this past Sunday delivering the word that the Lord absolutely. Um, such a, um, it was timely, Brother Dave, but it was also a pleasant balance of scholarly and practical. And that is borne out in the results that we had in our altar service as God moved. Now, I know Brother Dave is a, he's a humble man, and he will say all of the preacher things. That, you know, that's, that's God doing the work, and I am the mouthpiece. And I get it. I've stood in this place, so I understand it. But you also had to study it. You had to prepare it. You had to deliver it. And it was first class, well done. And, uh, man, I just want you to know how much I was blessed by what you delivered on Sunday, uh, sharing in the mystery and how uh, the, the mystery of Christ in us and the work that the Holy Ghost does, it was well done. And I just want you to know that I appreciated it. So thank you for delivering your heart. Do you love Brother Dave? I do, I do. Let's, let's clap our hands unto the Lord as he comes this evening. Well, praise the Lord, Grace Church. It is so good to see all of you here tonight, and uh, thank you, Brother Jason. I didn't pay him to say all those things, though you might be thinking that I did. Um, that's right. That's right. Thank you, Brother Jason. I appreciate that very much, and I, you know, if he calls this the preacher things, then that's fine, but I do have to stand here and say, uh, to God be the glory, God moved in a marvelous way here Sunday and, you know, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And that's really where we live and where we want to be. And, uh, and God is just doing some great things. And quite frankly, um, I believe it has a lot to do with you. And how, uh, how we have all been so responsive to the move of God in our church since the first of the year. How God has, has swept us off of our feet and caught us up in a flow and, uh, and you all, we've just been willing. We've just stepped in 
jumped in and uh, just said, God, whatever you have for us, we're willing to do it. And, uh, and I think that's why we're seeing uh, what we're seeing. So, uh, so yes, God, God bless you, Grace Church, and let the power and spirit of God continue to flow and continue to move. Uh, in in uh, tandem with what Brother Jason just said, I, I, uh, the, the altar service lingered uh, Sunday, which was awesome, uh, and some, sometime around, I don't know, 1235, 1240, uh, Gunnar Nose received the gift of the Holy Ghost very first time speaking in tongues. And if you've ever talked to Gunnar, he's so funny. He's like talking to a, a little man, a little adult. Uh, I, he, he ran up, gave him a big hug and said, Gunnar, did you get the Holy Ghost? He said, yeah, Brother Dave, I got the Holy Ghost. He said, the other thing is, he said, the Lord healed my shoulder. He said, I walked in, I could barely move it. He said, now look at this, man, God healed my shoulder. So God takes care of the body and the soul, you know. <laughs> amen, amen. But it was so funny. It was such, it was such a, 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 just an adult, just like, hey, this is something an adult would say, that I'm healed, mind, body, heart, and soul, you know. So, uh, and then also, uh, uh, Gabriella was refilled with the Holy Ghost Sunday in the altar service. I'm thankful for what God's doing in her life. We give God the praise for that. Amen. Amen. Well, let's turn to the Word of God. Um, just uh, again, continuing in the blessings of the Lord and what He has for us tonight. Thank you for being here. Welcome on live stream and Facebook Live. Welcome. Uh, glad you're part of Bible study tonight. Um, tonight, let me give you uh, our title first, our, our, our idea, our, our thought. That way, when we read our text, you'll kind of have an idea of our theme. And, and read it together with that, with that idea in mind. Tonight, I just want to talk to you from this thought, a leader's prayer, a leader's prayer. And I want to use a prayer of David from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, kind of as our model to make some comments about leadership and prayer. Um, 1 Chronicles 29, it's a lengthy reading, uh, 10 through 19, um, but it captures a very heartfelt, a very momentous, a, um, a, just a very poignant prayer that King David prayed. I'll make some more remarks on the context, but it was towards the end of his life, just before um, passing on uh, the kingdom to his son Solomon. So let's look at this prayer tonight and we'll draw some conclusions from it. Wherefore David blessed the Lord, verse 10 uh, bless the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. He continues uh, extolling God. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. So uh, quite, a, uh, quite a passage there on praise. And he continues, but who am I? What is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly of this sort? They're getting ready to offer the materials to build the temple. 
All these things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there's none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I, will, I have willingly offered all these things. And now I have seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people. And prepare their heart unto thee. And then finally he prays for his son Solomon. Give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart. To keep thy commandments. Thy testimonies and thy statutes. And do all these things. And to do all these things. And to build the palace for the which I have made provision. So again from here I want to talk to you about a leader's prayer. A leader's prayer. Uh, tonight we won't talk about the mechanics of prayer. It's not, a, it's not really a how-to. I want to talk to you more about the importance of prayer, maybe the why of prayer and maybe a few ideas on, on, on how to pray uh, just in, in general terms, not so much the mechanics. I do want to emphasize that we have wonderful prayer guides. In fact, I meant to bring one uh, to the pulpit with me tonight. Those are at Grand Central. Um, and then there's some in the Alexander Center as well. They give great blueprints, great um, uh, guides that you can follow, examples you can follow of different prayers to do guided prayers, such as the Lord's Prayer, the Tabernacle Prayer, uh, different prayers like that. We've used them at times with the young people um, during our prayer times on Sunday mornings. They're a great help. So if you're looking for something on mechanics of prayer, I commend our prayer books to you, our prayer guides to you. Uh, so keep that in mind, keep that in mind. A leader's prayer. We are all leaders. I want to start with that premise here tonight. So don't, you know, don't, don't just say, well, I don't, Dave doesn't have anything to say to me tonight because I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. In fact, just go ahead and point to yourself and say, I'm a leader. I'm a leader. And I don't, I don't say that generically. It's true. Everybody leads somebody. Um, we, we'll start, we can just talk about our serve teams. If you're a serve team leader, even if you're a serve team member, you're leading in some way. Connect group leaders, our connect group members even. Uh, sometimes pastor says, uh, if you have a title behind your name, if you serve in some capacity at this church, you are a leader. But maybe you're here tonight and you don't serve in a capacity here at church. Well, I would say you lead your family. Uh, maybe you, you have a family that you lead, uh, children, spouse, uh, grandkids, uh, maybe extended family. If you're, if you're single here tonight, maybe there's someone in your extended family that looks up to you uh, in just a, in a very real way and, and looks to you for, for leadership and guidance. But if that's not the case, uh, maybe on your job, there's an, it's some capacity you lead on your job. But if, if, if you're here tonight and none of that applies to you, somehow you're just on an island somewhere and none of those leadership categories apply to you, I want you to know tonight you lead yourself. Or at least you should. John Maxwell says that all leadership begins with self-leadership. So if there's nobody else to lead for you, work on leading yourself. And again, that makes you a leader. That's the most important 
uh, person you could lead anyway. So we're all leaders. We're all leaders. And prayer is so important uh, in our leadership. And of course, that's the, the, uh, I'm going to unpack that statement. That's a uh, heavily charged statement. But prayer is so important in our leadership. Uh, one time, a, a mother decided to give her young son, Johnny, a leadership opportunity. This was his big moment. She was going to give him a leadership opportunity. They, they had invited some people over uh, for dinner after church one Sunday. And uh, they sat down at the, at the table and, and, and she, said, uh, she said, Johnny, uh, why don't you lead us in prayer today before we eat? And of course, young Johnny thought that, that it would be a real crowd pleaser at that moment to just, to, to just get you know, shy and, and, and bashful. And he, he declined and, and he said, Mom, I don't know how. And his mother said, Johnny, yes, you do. Just say what you've heard me say. You know where this is going, right? So Johnny bowed his head and prayed and he said, Oh God, why in the world did we invite all of these people over on this day of all days? So if you're a leader practicing prayer, you need to be real careful about the, the example that you're setting uh, and who's listening to your prayers. Be very careful uh, about your, your leadership prayers. But let me emphasize today, we are people of prayer. I want to make that statement. We are people of prayer, and we've already alluded to this some, but it's prayer that has made the difference in our church even just in the last several months. We believe, as a, as a fellowship of believers, in the urgency and the practice of prayer, intercessory prayer. The consistent application and practice of prayer in our lives is necessary not only to be successful in our walk with God, but to be successful in our leadership, uh, primarily and most emphatically as godly leaders. It is imperative that we pray. Leaders need to pray regularly and fervently because this, again, a very charged statement, simple but profound. We, uh, we need to pray regularly because there is power in our prayers. I personally, for one, am standing here tonight to tell you I believe in the power of prayer. I've seen God answer prayer. I know what God can do. And I know what it's like to have no options and have, the back, have your back against the wall, no way forward, and see God come through in a big way. And all you can do is just stand by and say, that was God. There's no other answer for it. It was God. We've, we've had documented miracles even in the last few weeks of God answering prayer very powerfully. Prayer is a powerful resource for the leader. In fact, I would say this. I would say prayer is a core competency for leaders. Prayer is a core competency for leaders. We talk a lot about core competencies. Uh, companies now, when they're, when they're looking for candidates, when they do the interview process... Uh, they, they, they do now, at least in our company, uh, and, and from the industry that I'm in, that I see, they'll run you through a series of, ex of basically uh, almost like exams, personality profiles, testing, uh, to, to see how you, how you do on different, uh, st you know, stress and introvert, extrovert, uh, you know, leadership acumen, how you relate with other people, uh, your relationship acumen, all that stuff. And, uh, and so I've been involved in some interviews uh, at, at our company and they'll send me that profile before we interview the candidate. And it's interesting, though, this particular one we use, they put it on like a scatter plot, and it'll, 
it'll, um, it'll connect the dots with lines and you'll see it'll all be skewed some, in some instances one way, you know. And so this person is heavy on an um, uh, extrovert, let's say, but, but up here, you know, they don't, they don't do so well, you know, uh, in leadership or whatever. And you can just see at a glance these, these con- you know, that where their uh, talents and strengths are and whether they match up with the core competencies that the company is looking for. And so I would say that as important as all those are in our skill set and on our jobs and in any other uh, dynamic, any other, um, uh, you know, protocol, uh, prayer is the core competency that's the most important for leaders. No matter how proficient we may be in, a, in other things, good things, no matter how proficient we may be in our leadership, we may be really proficient doing ministry things. But we can never be so busy and so caught up in all those other things that we forget the core competency of prayer as leaders. I'm reminded of what the apostle said in Acts chapter 6 verse 4. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Let us diligently guard against being too busy to pray as leaders. We can never be too busy. We can never be too uh, focused on something else, too, uh, too good at what we're doing or too in the zone to forget to pray. We must have that core competency about prayer. Um, I like to talk a lot about the privilege of prayer. I, I kind of thought I had coined that phrase. Now, Brother Ben, that's not a real uh, fancy phrase. I mean, the privilege of prayer. What is that, four words? You know, I'm not a real deep thinker sometimes, but I just thought it came to me one day, and I thought it was really good, the privilege of prayer. And I talk a lot about that from time to time, and I think a lot about it. But somebody else got it. Somebody else beat me to it and even made it better. There's a leader by the name of Dan Ryland, and he took that statement a step further when he said this. He said it like this. It'll be on the screen. Don't waste your privilege of prayer. It's your most powerful resource as a leader. And that is so true. It is a privilege of prayer, but it's one we so easily discard or forget or get too busy or rush through or rush past. But yet it is our most powerful resource as a leader. So don't waste your privilege of prayer. Jesus said men ought always to pray. You could just say human beings, men and women should always pray. And so before we get into uh, the model prayer of David, I do want to uh, mention Jesus uh, in his prayers. As our leader, uh, Jesus prayed. He modeled prayer. And so if we want to lead like Jesus, if we want to be like Jesus, uh, I think we should pray because Jesus prayed. Um, over and over, if you look through the Gospels, in fact, I did a little search in my concordance, and it's, it's all throughout the Gospels, all four They're always saying things like this. He went to a mountain to pray. He was all night in prayer. He went to a place, uh, you know, alone to pray. Uh, We know he prayed in the wilderness. Uh, Do you know we have a prayer of Jesus captured in the Bible? I'm not talking about the Lord's Prayer. John chapter 17 records a very lengthy prayer that Jesus prayed, mostly for his disciples, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But I think it's pretty interesting that we have recorded a prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. So Jesus was a leader of prayer. How could we expect to be any less if we're going to lead like Jesus? 
And what I like about, about this point, and I, I think it's so important and worth, worth noting, is that it's not that just that Jesus taught us to pray. Uh, Luke 11, 1, when the disciples saw him praying, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And, of course, he gave them the Lord's Prayer. It's not just that he taught us to pray. It's that he prayed. And he gave us that blueprint to follow. That, hey, not, not what to say, but what to do. That, you know, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for those I lead. I'm going to pray for the ministry I've been entrusted with. We should do that, too. So he's given us this, this amazing blueprint called prayer as leaders. And we may note here that leaders not only model a consistent prayer life themselves... But they demonstrate that to their followers and teach their followers to pray. So Jesus, of course, then being our ultimate example as the, of the praying leader, of the praying leader. But as I've mentioned, David prayed. And we reread here today together a beautiful, beautiful prayer of David. And I want to focus on, on three aspects of his prayer here tonight. Uh, of course, David, a uh, man after God's own heart, a leader's leader, man of praise... But he was certainly also a man of prayer. And, and I, I would say this, I just mentioned that we have a recorded prayer of Jesus. If you stop and think about it, we have some recorded prayers of David. Um, um, I read one just now, but we have the Psalms. Uh, he wrote at least half of the Psalms attributed to David. Those were prayers, they were praise, but they were prayers. And also, if you want to jot it down and refer to it later, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 18 through 29 David prayed a very powerful prayer over his family and over his home, and it's, and it's beautiful. And it just amazes me. You think about that. You know, if, if, if we, we think sometimes it's awesome to, you know, we have the recorded words of, you know, Abraham Lee. We have the Emancipation Proclamation, and it's awesome, and, and it's, it's been passed down through history, and we have that. We can read that. Uh, we, can, we can discuss it, and we study it. Um, and and any, anybody's words down through time... We have the prayers of King David. We know what he prayed, at least in these instances. We know how he approached God. We know what he said. And I, and I think when you're talking about in terms of thousands and thousands of years, for that to be preserved for posterity is pretty awesome. And we see that he was a man of prayer. God had promised David that his throne would be from everlasting. He would always have a, uh, a, a, a son on the throne um, and, and for all his ups and downs, David was pleased with, or sorry, God was pleased with David. And I want to point this out, leaders. Again, we're all leaders. I want to point this out, leaders. David didn't always get his leadership exactly right in general. Mostly he did. He was a tremendous leader. But what I really want to highlight is David didn't always get his leadership right at home. David made some real mistakes leading his family. Um, and you would think, well, you know, this King David, th this man after God's own heart, I mean, he's, he, he knows what to do. He's going to get it right every time. He's never going to make a mistake. But he had a lot of dysfunction in his family. You know, uh, he was, you know his, his, uh, the discord with him and his son Absalom and uh, never reconciled that. And, and a, just a lot of turmoil in David's family, lots and lots of dysfunction. And that's not an excuse. What I'm telling you is, is don't let that stop you from being a leader and don't let that stop be, you from being a, a person of prayer if things are not perfect in your home. If you've done your best, 
If you're trying to live a godly life, you're trying to lead your family. You know, kids are going to do things and and family members are going to do things. Things are going to happen. And it may not all be perfect. It does not disqualify you from leading, does not disqualify you from, uh, from prayer, does not disqualify you from being an asset to the kingdom of God. David is our model in that. And I want to emphasize that to you tonight. Very important. Very important. So David shows us that leaders pray powerful prayers. That's the first thing his prayer tonight does. He, he teaches us to pray powerful prayers. We pick up this prayer tonight, as I've mentioned. David is, is, has made an address to the, to the nation. He is getting ready to surrender the throne over to Solomon, his son. He has gathered all of the materials for the temple. They're going to pray over it, and he's essentially going to turn it over all, all over to Solomon to lead Israel and to build the temple. And he calls this solemn assembly. When he's done speaking to them, he prays over them. And I want you to note in in verses 10 and 12, which we've already read, and I noted as we read it, he begins with worship. He extols God for his goodness, his might, his power, and his worship. And that was very strategic on David's part. Uh, We know how David felt about the glory of God and how powerful and good and majestic and awesome God was from the Psalms. And we see it again here in this passage. Uh, He was all inspired by the power of God. And this is very strategic in praying powerful prayers. Uh, David is worshiping God. He's praising God. He's saying, God, you have the power. In fact, we would not have any if you didn't give it to us. Whatever we have only comes from you. Really, all power uh, is given unto you. And when you start that way in your prayer, it sets you up for praying powerful prayers because you've acknowledged that the only one who can do anything about it is God. And it's not just that he's the only one that can do anything about it. He can do great things about it. You know, he can move mountains. He can, he can do great things and he's powerful. And so when we set that up in our minds, we engage ourselves for praying powerful prayers. David understood this uh, attribute of God. Um, and was persuaded that God hears, answers, and is able to take what we commit to him and do what is best for the best outcome. God not only knows what we have need of, but he also remains in charge with everything in control. So with this, with beginning prayer, with, the, with extolling those attributes of God, David engaged and tapped into the power of God to work on his behalf and on behalf of the people. Leaders must activate powerful prayers. We must pray powerfully. The Bible says in one place, pray in the spirit and pray with understanding. We must pray in the spirit. I mean, it's important to pray. I mean, I, I guess you can pray not in the spirit, but we need to get to a place where we also pray in the spirit. I heard a tremendous example about this. This is a very dramatic example. I don't know that you would ever be able to, or not that you would be able, that you would be called upon uh, to pray um, this fashion, but it, it's an awe-inspiring uh, example of how leaders can pray powerfully. Um, I like to listen to podcasts when I travel, when I'm driving. It's just a good chance to, to get some good content, uh, listen to a lot of sermons. I listen to leadership and, and ministry and different things. I like my Outlaws of the Old West podcast, too. That one's very enlightening, very, very interesting, very entertaining. Billy the Kid and you know, uh, John Wesley Harden and these guys. And I'll point out in passing, by the way, when you look at all of those bad guys of the Old West, there was not a single 
outlaw, not a, not a gunfighter, not a train robber, not one, that did that for 10, 15, 20 years and then just settled down and lived happily ever after. Every single one of them met a very horrible and untimely end. Every one of them. You know, they spent 10 years robbing banks and stagecoaches and riding with the outlaws and killing people, and then they would die some horrible death, either by the gun or the, or the hangman's noose. And so it's the old adage, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Those, the, all the, to, to a man, they live that. Anyway, uh, I digress. I was listening to Brother Joel Urshan preach a sermon. This has been quite some time ago on podcast. And I had just before then, I had recently read an um, a, uh, a autobiography by Benjamin Urshan, missionary uh, in Joel Urshan's extended family. So I was real interested in, in, in these stories. He was talking about uh, when his grandfather and his, his great uncles and all were, were starting churches in Russia. And this was in, this was in the early 20th century during the Russian Revolution. So it was very dangerous to start a church, to be a Christian in Russia during this time. And so they were underground. Uh, uh, his grandfather, Brother Urshan, was preaching and starting a church through an interpreter. He didn't even speak the language. Uh, just preaching uh, and starting this church and, and all this. They were very underground, trying to stay out of the revolution, trying to, to just go under the radar, if you will. And uh, one day they were found out. Brother Joel Urshan's grandfather uh, was up in front preaching to his church through the interpreter, and they got caught. They, the soldiers found them. And, uh, and, and uh, arrested them all and, uh, by, at gunpoint, uh, took them out uh, on the, and lined them up on the side of the church, and, was pre- and they, were preparing to, they were preparing to execute them uh, at, at the firing squad for, starting, or for having church, for being Christians. And so Brother Urshan, uh, he, he thought, well, you know, he's got the, these guys standing in front of him and his congregation with their guns pointed at him. And he said, you know, he said, this is it. You know, he's thinking to himself, this is it. He said, uh, he said, what do I think I'm going to do? He said, I'm just going to pray out loud. He said, I'm going to pray in tongues. And uh, he said, what, what the idea here will be is he said, I will be praying one moment in this life. And I'll just pick it up when I get, take that step over Jordan into heaven. I'll just transit, my transition to glory will be one of prayer. And that would be about the best way to go out. So he did. He lifted up, he closed his eyes, lifted his head to heaven, and began to pray in tongues. Uh, Brother Joel Urshan said, his grandfather uh, later said that he, he completely lost uh, a sense of time. He said, I don't know how long, he said, I don't know how long I was there. He said, but I, I got caught up in the spirit and uh, praying, praying in tongues. And he said, everything got quiet. And he finally kind of came back down and he opened his eyes. He thought he was in heaven. <laughs> and... Uh, to his surprise, all the soldiers were gone, and his congregation was standing around him, staring at him with their mouths open and their eyes just as wide as could be. And he's, you know, he looked at the interpreter and said, what in the world's going on? You know, can you tell me what they're staring at? And the interpreter said, Brother Urshan, he said, I thought you told me you didn't speak Russian. And he said, I don't, that's why I have you. He said, well, you just stood here for the last few minutes and told those soldiers in a very distinct Russian dialect that there is an army of angels around us and that if anything happens to any one of us, they will die immediately. And they all laid down their guns and took off running. 
Yeah, yeah. That's a powerful leader prayer, right? That's, that's praying with the Spirit and praying with understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's, that's pretty dramatic. I, don't, I hope that you never have to pray in front of a, pra- a, a, a firing squad. But we must pray powerful prayers. And when we do, those we lead will see the evidence and the manifestation of what a powerful prayer will do in the life of a leader and in the life of those they lead. Amen. Amen. Powerful prayers. Powerful prayers. The British, the British developed the tank. I'm talking about the armored tank used in warfare. They developed that in 1914 uh, as a response to trench warfare that was going on in World War I. They were looking for something, they called it a land ship, something that could go like a ship but on land and have firepower. Do you know the, the very first one, the way they made it, is they took an armored car and mounted it to a tractor chassis. That was the first tank. They realized right away it had a lot of limitations, but they realized it had a lot of possibility. And when they finally got that tank working like like we think of tanks now, it changed the course of modern warfare. No longer did they stand in the trenches and just volley shots at one another and then duck. But now with the tank, they had armament to protect them from the firepower of the enemy but they could still go forward and take ground offensively while applying firepower to the enemy. And it changed the course of modern warfare. That's how powerful prayers work in the life of a leader. Prayer protects us from the darts of the enemy and the firepower of the enemy, but it allows us to move forward and go on the offensive while applying firepower against the enemy. That's the power of prayer in a leader's life. Don't ever underestimate the power power of prayer in a leader's life. Amen. Amen. So David demonstrated that by extolling God's great uh, attributes and tapping into the power of God to work. Have you ever considered uh, the, 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 the role of a leader praying for those he or she leads? Have you ever considered praying for those you lead? That's the second thing David demonstrated in this prayer, and this is interesting. I um, I began doing some some looking around. I wanted to see what was out there in terms of material on praying for our followers. If we're leading, and I and I don't I don't use that in a in a um, a negative way, but the the servant leadership that we provide to those that follow us, what what's out there in terms of prayer guides and how we should pray, and uh, you know just some tips and some training. There there is little which is to say none, uh, material along that line, at least that I could find. There's stuff on warfare prayer. There's stuff on war room prayer. There's seven steps to better prayer. There's, you know, you know, three things to pray before you go out the door to work today. But very little to none on praying for those that follow us. And so I'm actually thinking, here's a heads up, FYI, I may take this and expand it out into a further Bible study, this particular point, because it seems like there's a need for it. It doesn't seem like there's a lot there about praying for those we pray. But as godly leaders, a leader's prayer should be for those we lead. Great leaders know how to pray for those they are responsible leading. Again, David in in our text, 1 Chronicles 29, he turned his prayer in verse 17. Uh, He says... um, And now I have seen with joy thy people 
which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. And he then prays for them. Keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. David's wisdom as a leader caused him to realize the significance of the response of the people he led. The people were very willing. They had brought materials. They said, yes, we'll help build the temple. Yes, we'll do our part. And David knew uh, that their response was, was so important to getting the job done, seeing the vision accomplished, seeing what was before them completed. Their response, their buy-in, their ability to move the task, for, task forward was an absolute integral part to the project. And so he prayed for them to that end. His prayer asked God to preserve in their thoughts and in their hearts a willingness to give generously to God's kingdom. Uh, he desired for the, for the Israelites to keep their hearts fixed on the God of their fathers. It was very, very important. And then he prayed very specifically for Solomon, his son, who was about to assume the throne and be responsible for building that temple. In uh, verse 19, give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, thy statutes, to do all these things and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. David knew there was no success without a successor. Spiritual leaders help set up successors for success through, thy pray through their prayers. That's why the Bible says, one generation shall praise thy works to another. And that's why we've been so focused on this JV team. Uh, we, we have to equip and empower and pray for the next generation of leaders. Those that are coming after us. Those, those that we are attempting to integrate into ministry and into leadership. We have to prepare them to succeed us. We can't do that if we're not praying for them. If we're not setting them up for success through our prayers. If we're not more, uh, uh, more concerned about them succeeding than, than ourselves succeeding. Sometimes the, the success of the person is more, uh, is more important than the success of the project. And so we have to pray for our leaders. I want to consider again the example of Jesus. Jesus absolutely prayed for those he led. Luke chapter 6 verses 12 and 13 um, he, uh, he went uh, out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. And it, when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And that's when he chose them. He didn't, he didn't even try to choose disciples before he prayed over it. He informed Peter of Satan's desire to sift him as wheat. But he prayed for Peter that he would be strong. Additionally, he prayed for the rest of his disciples. Again, I mentioned that John chapter 17, almost that entire prayer is for his disciples. Jesus was getting ready to leave the whole enterprise of the church to the disciples upon his crucifixion, uh, uh, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. And before he did that, he spent some time praying for his disciples specifically that they would be up to the task of taking the mission and running with it after he was gone. Leaders pray for those they lead. I don't want you to underestimate this point. Don't underestimate the power of your prayer in somebody's life. Again, I'll go back to where we started. You lead somebody. There's somebody depending on you for your leadership, but also for your prayers. You know, I'm not advocating this, but we all do it. It's just our humanity. We've all said, boy, if I could just have so-and-so come pray for me. 
You know, if I could have evangelist so-and-so just come pray for my need. If I could just have pastor come pray for me. If I could just have prophet so-and-so come pray for me or, or whatever. And we just feel like there's something special about that person's faith and that person's prayer. And that if they would pray for us, everything would be all right. I want you to know, and again, I'm not advocating that, but we've all done it. I want you to know you're that person in somebody's life. There is somebody that thinks of you that if I could just have them pray for me, I would get my answered. If somebody would just, if that person would just pray over my life, uh, I would see God move on my behalf. You are that person for somebody. Consider, uh, for example, we've heard stories of a backslider, a child just far, far away from God. And then when something goes horribly wrong that they cannot fix, that they cannot handle, what do they do? They call mom and say, mom, would you please pray for me? I'm in something here I can't get out, I can't get out of. They're, 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 that mom in that instance is the person that they want praying for them. We all have people that we need to be giving them the advantage of our prayers. And it may be on your leadership team, it may be in your family, it may be on your job, it may be uh, in your extended family. But give somebody the, the privilege of having your prayer called over them in their life. The last thing that uh, David did in this prayer that I want to point out, it is so powerful and it is so poignant. David prayed with humility. A godly leader prays with humility. Humility. Consider this. And, and, and if, if we're just looking at it in human uh, eyes, it's almost heartbreaking in a way. But in another way, when we look at it through divine eyes, it's so inspiring. It's so inspiring. David's passion for prayer, David's passion for praise inspired him. He wanted to build a temple for God. He said, I live in this beautiful palace and the Ark of the Covenant dwells. In just an old tent, he said, I'm going to build God a temple. But in God's wisdom and in God's way, he denied David that request. He did not allow David to build the temple. First Chronicles 28 and 3, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood, David, you shall not build me a house. How would you respond to that? How would you respond if your pet ministry project got denied? Some of us have had our pet ministry project denied. <laughs> it's hard. It's not easy. I'll take it a step further, and it's not that your pet ministry project got denied, but what, what, what about when God closes the door, which is what happened here? When it, it's not a, a pastor's decision or some other leader's decision it's God closed the door. I've been there too. I've been there where God closed the door on what I wanted to do. And it's a difficult place to be. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of coaching. It takes a lot of, uh, of, of faith. But look at how, and again, this is so humbling, David, David's humility. Look how David responded. When we go back to how this prayer opened, remember, David is denied. God tells him Solomon will be the one. He allows David to get all that material together. This is how David opens his prayer. 1 Chronicles 29 and 10. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation and said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, 
our Father forever and ever. David still contributed. He still got involved. He didn't hold back. He didn't say, well, if I can't do the whole thing, I'm not going to do any of it. And he continued his prayer and his praise of God. He continued his worship to the Lord. Too often people refuse to give their best efforts when working for God unless they get to choose how and where and when it will be. We need to have the humility of David and say, God, it doesn't matter as long as I just get to play a part. It doesn't matter how big, how small, doesn't matter. And I'm going to keep praying with humility. I'm going to keep worshiping you with the congregation. I'm going to keep doing what I can backstage, front stage, doesn't matter. I'm going to be a leader of humility. Very quickly, uh, leading with humility means being teachable. Praying with humility means being teachable. Not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. That's Romans 12, 3. To be dependent on the Lord, knowing that you can do nothing without Him. And lastly, humility in prayer and leadership means to lead with those you are serving in mind. And that gets back to what we were just talking about, about praying for those that we lead. Leading with those we serve in mind. They're looking at us. How we respond to a pressure situation. How we respond to a pressure uh, to a denied request, how we respond to our leader, those that we're uh, reporting to or are um, uh, accountable to. They're looking at all that. They're watching us. And a humble leader leads with that in mind. Remember, it's God's church. Rem at the end of the day, it's God's church. It's his, it's, his, it's his church and we're on his team. And it's his kingdom come and his will be done. Amen. So the prayers of a leader, a leader's prayer. Leader's prayer, praying with power, praying for those we lead, praying with humility. Let me close, let me hasten to a close here uh, with just a couple of comments. I want to I just give you two examples of the power of leader in prayer. Very quick, very brief. A humble man, he's a wonderful man of God. If you look back in history, his name was George Mueller. He led Ashton Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. Over the course of his life, he took care of more than 10,000 orphans in that Ashton Down Orphanage. George Mueller never asked anyone for any money. No financing whatsoever for his orphanage. Never asked for a penny. He would pray in private for the provisions they need, needed. And then he would watch God provide in public and give God the credit. When he died, George Mueller left in his journal over 50,000 specific prayer requests that God had answered over the course of his lifetime. It's the power of a praying leader. It's the power of a praying leader. 50,000 prayer requests answered. Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, uh, taught and wrote extensively on the power of prayer. When visitors would come through his church there at New Park Street Church in England, he would often walk them down to the basement where there was a prayer room. And they would see there people that would tour the church with Spurgeon. He would show them there were people there at all times of day and night on their knees interceding both for Spurgeon and the community. And Spurgeon would tell visitors as they walked by the prayer room, he would say, here is the powerhouse of this church. And, and, and that is absolutely the case. Leaders pray. Leaders pray. Leaders know the power of prayer. And leaders see their prayers answered on a very regular and frequent basis. And so I'm challenging all of us tonight. The call tonight is to continue 
as people of prayer. I began by saying we believe in the power of prayer, the urgency of prayer. We believe in intercession of prayer. Prayer is what's got us where we are today. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep being leaders who pray. And we're going to see God do some tremendous things in the very, very near future. In fact, I'm looking forward to what God's going to do this coming Sunday when we get back together uh, for our 11 o'clock service, aren't you? Let's be in prayer for that service, what do you say? Amen, amen. Let's be in prayer for that service this coming Sunday. And let's cover our leadership, our leadership, and our leadership in prayer and see what God will do. Let's pray together tonight. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power and privilege of prayer. Let it not be neglected at Grace Church. And let it not be neglected in the lives of the leaders of Grace Church. God, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for those that have received the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the momentum you've given us, the open doors that we're seeing. And Lord, we believe the best is yet to come. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. And we commit ourselves to be people of prayer. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being in the house of God. Thank you for being attentive to the word. You're dismissed. Let somebody know how glad you are to see them tonight. And we'll look forward to seeing you this Sunday in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.